Um, I am the RUF campus minister in Arkansas, and I'm finishing up my second year there. And I'm glad to do it and thankful for this church that allows me to do that work. So thank you. I just got a text from my wife um, and said that at our church, Christ Community, she has college students from RUF sitting in our row in front of us and behind us, probably helping corral our kids. So um, we, we, do, we do love the church. And so thank you for that. Uh, and then one other thing, uh, we're going to summer conference next week where students get to grow in their faith with seminars in the morning and uh, beach time in the afternoon and worship in the evening. And I told them if we got 27 students, you could wax my leg, one of my legs. And they got 28. So somehow they got them all, so you can pray for me in that. But um, excited. It's part of the gig, right? It's excited for that. So this semester in RUF, we've been going through the, a series called The Gospel in Exodus, Knowing God in Our Wilderness Wanderings. Because though it is a true account, a true story of God rescuing his people from slavery uh, and bringing them out of slavery into the wilderness and eventually into the promised land, it is also the pattern of redemption for our story. That, that God rescues us from our sins and our story and, and brings us into the wilderness. And that the older you get, it's not like life seems to always get better sometimes. Uh, that's the Christian life. That, but, but here's the, the promise of, this, uh, of the book of Exodus, is that in the wilderness, God makes his life with you. That he is with you, uh, even now. And I thought for graduation Sunday, it was an appropriate sermon as uh, a few of these young men are gonna make their way into the wilderness of this world. So here's the context uh, of Exodus 15. In Exodus 14, the 10th plague happens and the firstborn uh, of all the families of Egypt die. And so Pharaoh says, go, get out, leave. And they leave and, they, and God, God's people, Israelites, wander in the wilderness for a couple months. And Pharaoh, stewing in hatred and in bitterness and in grief and in anger, finally says, all right, we're going after them. Sends 600 chariots after them, which would have been the best technology of the day it would have been like tanks coming after them in the wilderness right now. And so they're not coming to re-enslave God's people. They're coming to destroy them. And in fact, that's the God's, God's people understood that in Exodus 14 because they said, Moses, did you bring us out here in the wilderness to die? Were there no graves in Egypt? And they're complaining to him. And Moses goes, okay, fear not. See the salvation of the Lord. All you have to do is be quiet. Like, <laughs> like just stop talking and watch God work. And as their backs are up against the sea, God parts the sea with the rod of Moses. The Israel passes through on dry ground. And then Pharaoh and his host go in, and it says their wheels get clogged, probably in the muddy ground. And even then, you see a distinction between Israel and Egypt. And they come off into the other side. The waters crash down on the, on the Egyptians. And the first thing that God's people do in the wilderness, they don't know where they're going to get their drink, how they're going to make their money, right? where they're getting their food, how long they're going to be there, the first thing they do is sing. They bust out into a song. So the question for us as we read this text is, why are they singing? It's known as the song of Moses or the song of the sea. Why are they singing? So if you will, please give your attention to uh, God's word, uh, Exodus 14, verse 30 through 1521. And hear the good news of a God who gives us a reason to sing. It's a long passage, but we got this, okay? It's a song. We can do this. Exodus 14, verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. And they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses. 
Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his host he cast into the sea, and his chosen officers were sunk in the Red Sea. The floods covered them. They went down into the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, glorious in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you overthrow your adversaries. You send out your fury, and it consumes them like stubble. At the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The floods stood up in a heap. The deeps congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil. My desire shall have its fill of them. I will draw my sword, my hand shall destroy them. You blew with your wind, the sea covered them, and they sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness? Awesome and glorious deeds doing wonders. You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. And the peoples have heard, they tremble. Pangs have seized the inhabitants of Philistia. Now are the chiefs of Edom dismayed. Trembling seizes the leaders of Moab. All the inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread fall upon them because of the greatness of your arm. They are still as a stone. Till your people, O Lord, pass by. Till the people pass by whom you have purchased. And you will bring them in and you will plant them on your mountain. The place, O Lord, which you have made for your abode. The sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. Verse 19. From the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and the horsemen went into the sea. The Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground in the midst of the sea. Then Mary and the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a tambourine in her hand. And all the women went out after her with tambourines and dancing. And Mary sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider he has thrown into the sea. This is God's word. It is absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this song. Open our hearts and our minds and our voices uh, to receive it and to indwell it and to believe it. In Jesus' name, amen. So, if the Passover meal in the Old Testament correlates to the New Testament sacrament of the Lord's Supper, then this event, the, the crossing of the Red Sea, correlates to the New Testament sacrament of baptism. In fact, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. Where he says, all of Israel was baptized into Moses and into the sea. And it made me think naturally of my daughter's baptism, Eleanor, my middle child. Um, and regardless, I know we have different beliefs and views of baptism probably represented here. But what we can all agree on is that baptism is first and foremost not about our faithfulness. Not about what we do for God, but it's about his faithfulness. What God has promised to do for us in Jesus Christ. And so I remember the baptism, it was, I was in seminary, uh, I, we attended this small neighborhood church, Old Orchard, I still remember the scene, my wife, or not my wife, I actually don't know what she was wearing, but my daughter was wearing a, a white dress, and uh, it was a stained glass windows, our family and friends were there, and all the people we worshipped with in the community, and the tradition of the church is that the pastor would take the child and walk, it was a smaller church, and would walk up and down the aisles. So that all the congregants could see this uh, child who's about to become a covenant baptized child of the church. And all the while he would explain the etymology of the name, which Eleanor means light, if you care. 
And he would also talk about the promises of God, about how God is faithful to keep his promises to this daughter, this child, my, my child. And then he'd baptize and water would come off the forehead and drip onto her eyes and screams uh, would fill the air and smiles would come upon the faces of those present. And then the most beautiful thing in the world happened. The whole church would bust out into a song. They would begin to sing the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. And I will never forget that moment. Whereas these people are singing, celebrating God's faithfulness and his promise to be faithful to my daughter as she makes her way into the wilderness of this world. And I say that, it came to mind because that is exactly what happened in this passage. That as they go through the baptism of the Red Sea and those waters, the first thing they do is they bust out into a song, celebrating God's faithfulness. I mean, look, look at verse uh, 1. Then Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord, saying, I will sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Or in verse 2, the Lord is my strength and my song. He's become my salvation. That one of the appropriate responses uh, is to celebrate God's faithfulness is by singing. Now, how do you inhabit the wilderness is the question. Do you ever sing in the wilderness? Look, there's a lot, uh, as we sang and prayed about, there's a lot of wilderness, right, in this church and in this world. And the Bible invites us to be honest about that. The psalm, half the psalms are about that. Lamentations is about that. Moses in Exodus 5 accuses God of evil. Why have you brought me? All you've done is brought evil on these people. God invites us to be honest in the wilderness and totally affirms the validity of the wilderness that we all experience. And at the same time, it tells us that we're also to, to develop a voice. We're supposed to sing in the wilderness. Be a people who can sing in the wilderness. And so if we want to celebrate God's faithfulness, we have to learn how to sing even in the wilderness. Um, and so to do that, we had to know two things. One is we have to know the words uh, of the song, right? You gotta sing it. And secondly, you gotta know the tune. Very catchy, I know, you're welcome. Um, know the words and know the tune. So first, know the words. We wanna celebrate God's faithfulness as a people. We have to know the words. I remember when I worked for RUF at Georgia, I worked out with a student, Andrew Peak, and we would do all the great lifts, Romanian deadlifts, squat, bench press, you know, the classics. And while we were doing it, the music was playing overhead. It was like upbeat music. And we were like, oh, I love it. And we could never remember the words. And like every third line would be like, feeling, you know, tonight. Like we had no idea what the, what the words were saying. And we find out later, we were like, man, I love that song. And we find out later what the words were. And we're like, oh, it's a little scandalous. Like I didn't know those were what the words were. Um, you know, we didn't know the song because we didn't know the words, right? You wouldn't say we knew the words or, or the song. And, and you got to know the words. You see, the enemy, they have their own words. They're singing their own song. If you notice in verse 9, they go, The enemy said, I will pursue, I will overtake, I will divide the spoil, I will draw my sword. Like, they're singing their own song about their greatness and their faithfulness. But that's, that can't be us. Because if we want to know the words, we have to know two things. And one is this, we have to know the substance of our faith, which is God's greatness and God's faithfulness. Did you notice like this whole song is about God and his power and his right hand and what he has done. It is all about him. Verse uh, 31, Israel saw the great power that the Lord, uh, and then verses two and following, the Lord is my strength. This is my God, he's my salvation. Verse four, he has cast God's enemies into the sea. The floods covered them. Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power. The blast of your nostrils, the, the waters piled up, the floods stood up in the heap. I mean, who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Greatness, awesome and glorious deeds, doing wonders. Like this whole thing is about what God has done. And if you want to know the words, you have to understand that our Christian faith, the substance of our faith, is what God has done for us. That he has been faithful to us, particularly in the person of Jesus Christ. 
Like that is the substance of our faith. That's what we said in the Nicene Creed. Because here's the deal, if God can't actually work in this world, if he doesn't actually have any power, like what is the point? What are we doing here this morning? Why are we even here? That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. That if Jesus didn't really rise bodily from the dead in this world, historically, then there is no point to our faith, it's all in vain. But this song in our faith says that God has actually acted in this world for us. And that is the substance of our faith. And so I think we often forget that. And so secondly, if we want to know the words, we have to see God's faithfulness. We have to see God's faithfulness. This is why I think Moses includes this little detail in verse 30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. You see, these, these Egyptians, they were enslaved for 400 years to these Egyptians. They tried to commit infant genocide, chapter 1. They whipped their husbands, they raped their wives for 400 years. They needed to know that God had rescued them, and God lets them see that their enemy, this thing that had power over them for this long, is dead. It's dead. They needed to see God's faithfulness. Because it's so easy in the wilderness to look at our circumstances and forget that God is faithful. Um, and we need a song to sing that. And this is like the story of Scripture. In Genesis 1, when God makes the world, he grabs Adam and Eve and he says, Look, behold, this whole world is for you. Do you see my faithfulness to you? He does the same thing to Noah when he gets off the boat. This is what he does to Abraham when he says, You're going to be a great nation. And Abraham's like, I don't know if you know this. I'm getting old, uh, advanced in years. Like, I don't think this is going to happen anymore. And God's like, All right, come here. He grabs his hand, takes him outside. He's like, Look at these stars. I'm faithful to you. This is what David does when he sees a giant in front of him. He looks at the Lord's faithfulness and his power and not his circumstances in front of him. And look, this is what Jesus does. Jesus healed blind people. Can you imagine the first thing you would see in this world is the face of Jesus? The face of God? How incredible would that have been? This is what he does in John 4 with a woman who had had five husbands and was just looking at her shame. That's why she was alone at a well. And Jesus goes, nuh I am who you want. I am your faithful husband right in front of you. Look at me instead. And this is what happens with Saul, who became Paul. On the road to Damascus, he was talking like the enemies. He had his own song. I will go to Damascus. I will overtake the Christians and kill them. I will do all this for you, Lord. And God's like, oh, we got to change your sight. You are blind. So he blinds him. And then at his baptism, his own crossing of the Red Sea, it says scales fell off of his eyes. And what did he do? He started to praise God's faithfulness. He finally saw God's faithfulness. Like this is just the story of scripture. And so if we want to know the words and sing the song, we, we have to know the substance of our faith is what God has done for us. And we have to see it and look at his faithfulness and not our circumstances. But secondly, look, you got you to gotta know the tune. A lot of us know the words. A lot of us grew up in church a long time, and we know the words, right? Justification is the act of God's free grace, whereby glory. You know, like we know the words to our faith. Um, I just want to say glory like that, so it's okay. Um, but, but some of us, have we forgotten that, the tune? And the tune is this. It is a love song. This is a love song. Now, I know uh, there's that college pastor talking about love, wearing his red pants. I understand what y'all are thinking. That's okay. It's legit. I am. But look, it's a love song. Um, now, I uh, love musicals, I always have. Wicked, Les Miserables, Grease, you know, all, all the classics. And I was like, why, did I, why do I love musicals? Like, where did this come from? And I remember my, my mom gave me a VHS of West Side Story uh, in high school, if some of you know that. And so I remember watching it uh, alone on the couch as a 16-year-old, which tells you a lot about my life uh, at that time. 
And uh, I remember watching it. And so if you know West Side Story, uh, and it's set in 1961. There's two gangs in New York. You have the Caucasians led by Riff. And then you have the Puerto Ricans led by Bernardo, and they're the Sharks. And Riff has a best friend named Tony, and Bernardo has a younger sister named Maria. Now, they meet at a dance. Uh, uh-uh. They get swept away. They eventually kiss. I'm not affirming meeting someone on the first time. Kissing them, but hey, it's a love song, okay? It's a musical, so it happens. And Tony's just in love, and he leaves. Goes into the wilderness of love, leaves the dance. He's all alone, wandering the back alleys of New York. And everything's blurry on the outside, and it zooms in on him. And he begins to say her name, Maria, Maria. And then he busts out into a song, and I won't sing it. But he goes, Maria, I just kissed a girl named Maria, and suddenly I found how wonderful a sound can be. Say it loud, and there's music playing. Say it soft, and it's almost like praying. Maria, I'll never stop saying it. Maria, okay. It is awesome. I'm telling you, as a 16-year-old boy eating Pringles on the couch, watching this young man, Tony, sing of his love for this young girl, Maria, I mean, it set me on fire. I was like, i got to be a part of a love song like that. I want to be a part of something like that. Here's the deal, y'all. We are. Like, we are a part of that love story. This, this is a love song. We're a part of it right now. And it is a story of God's faithfulness to us in the wilderness. And look, here's the deal. I'm not making that up. Look at verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them. This covenantal, never-breaking, never-giving-up love is what was leading these people through the wilderness. It is a love song. And so this love song, this tune should do two things for us. One, it should fill us with hope. It should fill us with hope. Did you notice in verses 14 through 16, it says the peoples have heard, they tremble. It sees the inhabitants of Philistia. Edom's dismayed. Trembling seizes Moab. The inhabitants of Canaan have melted away. Terror and dread have fallen upon them until your people pass by them. Look, this hasn't happened yet. Verse 14, they actually haven't gone through the wilderness yet. But they're filled with hope that God has been faithful to them in the past, and so he's going to be faithful to them in the future. Like, this love song fills you with hope. Um, and this, this is what happens when you're filled with hope. You begin to sing, right? Remember Adam, when the first time he sees Eve? That dude busts out in a song. He's filled with hope for the world about what it's going to be. when He gets to do it with this woman. Or think about uh, Mary when she finds out she is like the God-bearer. She is the Messiah inside of her. She busts out into a song, a Magnificat. Think about Zechariah who didn't believe the angel's words that his wife was going to get pregnant. And he's punished, and he can't talk for 10 months. And the first thing he does when, when J-Baby, John the Baptist, is born, is that he busts out into a song, praising God's faithfulness. That's the first thing he does. Like, this is what we do when we are filled with hope. We sing a love song. Um, and look, here's the deal. I, I know that some of you are like, whatever. Like, you're like, this is ridiculous. You have no idea what I'm going through. And I understand some of you feel incredibly hopeless, even the prayers that we were doing. It can feel incredibly hopeless. That the wilderness has just consumed you like a fog, like a dense fog, and you can't see your way out. I understand that. I've experienced that in my life. And these people in Israel were enslaved for 400 years, and now they're in the wilderness. That they, of all people, should have been hopeless. But the promise of the gospel and the promise of this song is that the wilderness is not the end of your story. It's not the end of our story. That God will actually lead us through the wilderness, and he will lead us home. Um, and that's the second thing we see, that if you know this love song, it should fill you with hope because God is going to lead you home. He's going to lead you home. You notice in verse 13, it says, you've led in your steadfast love the people you've redeemed, you've guided them to your holy abode, which is like, abode, what's it? it's home. That's the word, it's home. 
He's leading you home. He says it later on in verses 17 and 18. You will bring them in and plant them on your mountain, O Lord, which you have made for your home. God wants to live with you. He wants to be with you. He's going to lead you through the wilderness. Um, and, and ideally, a home. Like, look, I got a lot of students. I know some of you come from broken homes. My, my, my students do. Uh, but ideally, a home is supposed to be a place of comfort, of security, of love, where people exist in love, dwelling with one another, right? And there's this great quote by the theologian Edward Sharp of the Magnetic Zeros. He says, has a line in one of their songs. That was a joke. Sorry, by the way. Um, they're a band. Home is wherever I'm with you. Home is wherever I'm with you. And right now in the wilderness, the promise of this story is that God is with you, leading you in love. And I know you don't see it, you don't feel it, but he is. That's the promise of this, of this song. That home is not just a place, it's also presence. And so God is with you now and he will lead you all the way home uh, in one day in glory. That's our hope, y'all. That is our hope. And it reminded me of the uh, movie Blood Diamond. If you have seen that, there's civil unrest in Sierra Leone because of the diamond. All the diamonds being found. And Solomon Vandy and his son Dia Vandy are taken hostage by the rebels. Solomon, the father, has to go work in the mines, and his son Dia is taken over to be trained to shoot and kill, to be brainwashed. Can you imagine that? But eventually Solomon finds a big diamond, and that's his ticket out of Africa. That's his ticket out of civil, civil unrest. Somehow he hides it, and the rest of the movie is him and Leonardo DiCaprio, Danny Archer, trying to find that diamond so that they can get out of there, he can find his son, and they can finally leave. At the end of the movie, Solomon, uh, Vandy, and Danny Archer find the diamond, and, and th there's smiles on their face. And he's ready to go find his son and get out of there. And he looks up, and there's a 10-year-old boy with a gun pointed at him. And their smiles become solemn. As Solomon is looking at the barrel of a gun, who's held with the hands of his own son. And, he, and he, says this, he says this to his own son. Dia, what are you doing? Dia, look at me, look at me. What are you doing? You are Dia Vendi of the proud Mende tribe. You are a good boy who loves soccer and school. Your mother loves you so much. She waits by the fire making plantains and red palm oil. Stew with your sister Niana and the new baby. And the cow waits for you. And Babu, the wild dog who minds no one but you. I know they made you do bad things. But you are not a bad boy. I am your father who loves you. And you will come home with me and be my son again. And this whole time Solomon slowly walked up to his son until he's inches from him. Dia drops the gun and collapses into his father's arms, into his father's love. And you see what happened there. It was his father's love that he knew was going to bring him home. Um, God does not bring you into the wilderness to leave you there. Some of you just need to hear that your father loves you, and he's going to bring you home. He will bring you home. So we've seen that if we're going to celebrate God's faithfulness by singing in the wilderness... We have to know the substance of our faith, what God has done for us. We have to see it. And we have to know the tune, that it is a love story. It is a love song. It should fill us with hope and lead us home. And so the question is, what does that mean for us? A couple things. One is this. Some of us have forgotten the words. Some of us have been in the wilderness way too long. We don't pray. We don't read the Bible. It's just we can't. We don't know the words anymore. We're done. And in these moments, right, I mean, the point is that we need to recall God's faithfulness. We need to recall God's faithfulness. I mean, if a tree's going to weather a storm, which we just had in Fayetteville, and I think we all had it here, the roots have to go deep. Um, and, and that's what we've been doing this morning, is we've been recalling God's faithfulness. It's been amazing. All the Psalms and, and Tim and the seniors, we are celebrating God's faithfulness. We have to recall it. And sometimes we can't do it on our own. Some of you are like, I don't have the words, Mike. You don't understand. I get it. That's legit. I don't. 
In those moments, though, if you notice in verse 1, it says Moses and the people of Israel. It was all of them. Some of them were in the wilderness. Actually, they all were, literally. And then metaphorically, some of them were. Maybe some of them had, you know, kids that didn't sleep that night. It was a bad day. Or some of them, you know, maybe they lost them and they were thinking of their family that, that they lost in, in Egypt who were still in slavery. I mean, they were in the wilderness, and yet Moses gave them the words to sing. And that's what did we do on Sunday mornings. We, like, give each other the words to sing. We can invite each other to recall God's faithfulness together. And one other thing is I think a secret of the universe is just saying thanks to God, as we've done this morning, to be grateful. To, and you start your prayers and you say, I'm just thankful for what you have done for me, where you have been faithful. And you can even write it on one side of the paper and on the other side write where you've been unfaithful and then do a compare and contrast and you realize very quickly how incredible God is uh, to stay faithful to us, at least for me. But secondly, some of us uh, have not just forgotten the words, but we've forgotten the tune. That it's a love song, right? Maria, it's a love song. And then that means we, we shouldn't just recall God's faithfulness, but if we want to remember the tune, we have to rehearse the story, this love story. And this is what Miriam does in verse 20. I love this woman. She grabbed, they sing the song, and she grabs everyone, and she goes, hey, we got to sing it again. This is awesome. we got to keep singing it, right? If you're going to memorize a line in a play, you rehearse it over and over again. If you're going to actually remember that God is faithful to you, and that he is your father who loves you, he's going to bring you home, you've got to rehearse it, because we forget so often. This is why we go to church in small groups and quiet times. It's not so God loves us more. It's not because, you know, we're going to earn favor with him. It is because we need to rehearse the love story and remember that he's been faithful to us. And the, and the last thing is that this actually means that uh, this love story, is, this song we sing, is not just for us. Did you notice Miriam invited other people to come? She grabbed all the women's hands like, we've got to go out here and sing together. That actually this love song to sing in the wilderness is actually for your neighbors. It is for the person sitting next to you in the pew right now. It is for your coworkers. It is for that person you run into with your cart at the grocery store as you're looking at the taco seasoning. It's for that lady at the drive-thru at McDonald's who's taking your order. Th this world is filled with cynicism and hopelessness and they are searching for love and we have it. We have it. This is not just about us. It is about inviting others into this love and that's why we sing. And so the question you can ask is, you know, what song are you singing? If people were to ask you like, are you the grumbling one? Do you complain a lot? Like, or are you singing this love story? Because look, this world is filled with cynicism and hopelessness. But goodness gracious, we actually have hope as God's people. We actually believe that this isn't the end of the story. That there's going to be a renewed world where every tear is wiped from our eyes. That's our faith. Because of what God has done for us. Um, may God give us the grace to do that. So the only way that we can do that is because, you know, God sang over us. Zephaniah 3.17, it says the Lord sings over us. And while um, the... The Egyptians uh, were dead on the seashore, and the Israelites had that image in their mind of their dead bodies on the seashore, their old slave masters. We, we have the image of Jesus, our Savior, on the cross in his dead body. And while they saw the water drip from the, their enemies onto the, to that shore, we have the, the image of the, the blood dripping from our Savior's body onto the dusty floor beneath. And while they remembered their enemies who pursued them in hate in order to kill them, we have a Savior who pursued us in love, not in order to kill us, but to be killed for us. And I mean, that act, that, that act of dying for someone else, is that not worth singing about? That kind of love, even in the wilderness. Um, I'll never forget my daughter's baptism. Her face, uh, the faces and, and the voices, and as the tears, you know, and the water streamed down her forehead and the tears streamed down her face onto the dress and onto the floor beneath. And as her, her, her lungs filled with air and her screams filled the space, and those voices, those melodious voices of those people 
Some of them definitely in the wilderness like you are right now. And yet they sang, they sang celebrating God's faithfulness to my daughter as she makes her way into the wilderness. I'll never forget that. And it's a song one day we're all gonna sing. That in Revelation 15, three, as we get through the wilderness, we finally make it home. We're gonna sing in Revelation 15, three, the song of Moses, this song, the song of the sea. It's a song our neighbors need to hear, it's a song we need to rehearse. Because in the wilderness, God is faithful to us and he's gonna bring us home. That's the gospel in Exodus, and that's good news for us this morning. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for this passage of singing, um, of a love song, that you sing over us, uh, you die for us, and you rose again from us, and now you're praying for us, and you will one day come back for us. It is so hard to believe that, but we need, we need you to remind us, to recall to us your faithfulness. And I ask that you would be with all these men and women and these boys and girls as we make our way into the wilderness of this world this week. Remind all of us that you are with us and that you love us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.